0: From the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio, this is In Black America.
1: I'm really excited about this project because this project is called Growing Up in America and it highlights cultures and conversations surrounding minority communities in America. So that's immigrants, first generation, black Americans. This is... Uh, this is something for our culture and our community, which I'm really excited about. So the idea is to for this to be a travel based documentary series where I am traveling to different cities across America and um, highlighting different cultures and conversations that are existing. So my first episode pertains to mental health and the idea for this episode came about with me just kind of learning from my community and my family and things that are happening around me with, you know, the issue of mental health. So uh, I just noticed that
0: there was such a void of information. Nathan Araya, documentary filmmaker and founder of All Creative Digital. Araya is a television host, an African Movie Academy award nominated filmmaker, digital storyteller, community leader, and public speaker. His current project is entitled Growing Up in America, the first episode deals with mental health. Growing Up in America is an American Story, a travel documentary series, exploring different parts of American cities, cultures, and conversations surrounding the underrepresented communities in this country. In the first episode arrived at local barbershops in Austin, Texas, to get a better understanding of the dynamics of mental health from young game changers, artists, and professionals to discern the impact on this generation. I'm Johnny O. Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, with documentary filmmaker Nathan O'Reilly, in black America. When we're dealing with mental health as a documentarian,
1: as a creative, I never wanted to come into the space as an expert. I wanted to come into this space with extreme vulnerability and sensitivity to this topic and as a learner. As a learner, I'm taking audiences on this journey with me as I am approaching mental health from a place of learning from individuals that are navigating this field regularly. And so I thought that was very important for me to have that as a starting point as a documentarian, as a creative. Now, when we, when we deal with mental health and we're dealing with mental health care providers, one thing I've learned is that it's you have got to be very careful and, and, miss, and not misdiagnosing yourself. Because even today's age, right now, mental health is such a buzzword.
0: Nathan Araya has been dubbed the voice for the diaspora generation. He is dedicated to improving lives around the world through inspiring, compelling stories of life and culture. Born and raised in Garland, Texas, Araya has a bachelor's degree in mass communications and a master's degree in business administration with an emphasis in marketing. His interest in filmmaking came while he was attending Concordia University. He spent a decade in Los Angeles before returning to Austin to open his production company and to work on his current project, Growing Up in America. The idea for the project, Mental Health is Wealth, came as he was rushed to the emergency room with chest pains. Recently in Black America, spoke with Araya in studio. So I was born in
1: Dallas, Texas. I lived in Garland, uh, Texas, which is a little outside of Dallas. And then uh, from there, managed to... um, Go to school out in Austin, went to a small private liberal arts university called Concordia University, and then ventured out to Los Angeles after I graduated for about 10 years, and just now currently moving back to Austin.
0: So, what was life like growing up in Dallas?
1: Dallas was great. I had such a great upbringing. When I was 10 years old, my dad left, and I was raised by a single mother who raised three boys. So, I'm the oldest of three boys. And uh, growing up was, you know, there were its challenges, but you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know what you have because it's all you have. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like that that was my environment. That was, you know, there was a lot of love in the house. Um, I, I grew up very fast. Uh, just because of the responsibility that was placed on me at such a young age to look after my family. You know, so, you know, I I was very responsible I, I had my first job when I was 15 and I was paying the light bill. And
0: Incredible. for me, that
1: was normal. You know, like that's all I knew, you know, to work and to really support and contribute to whatever I can do within my family.
0: What was it like in school? What were some of your, your activities you participated in? Man, I had ADD, so I was involved
1: in almost any and everything in school. Uh, I, can't, I had a lot of energy, uh, John. And the thing was in college, you know, I started kind of making friends and I had so many different types of friends and backgrounds, ethnicities. I got involved with events on campus. One event that I got a chance to do was called Coffee House. And this started off as an open mic night event that turned into a um, kind of like a themed, talent show uh with uh with a message. So I took that and kind of redid it and created a whole different type of branding around it in college. And that was like the one thing I was known for on campus, uh doing these coffee house events that brings different peoples of different talents together and having different themed messages that talked about faith. It talked about culture. It talked about things in society. And, you know, it really allowed me to express something that was of substance on campus that I felt that really resided with, you know, who I was at the time.
0: How did you happen to select Concordia College for your higher
1: education? It was actually the last college on my list, to be honest with you. But, you know, one thing I do and something I always tell, encourage you know, high school seniors that are looking for a college, you know, take the time to really go out and visit these college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's important that you make the effort to do that. So I came to UT, I went to U of H, University of Houston, and all these different college campuses. And, you know, for some reason, those uh, different college visits didn't resonate well with me at the moment. But when I came to Concordia University, it was just such an amazing presence there and people really cared about me I wasn't just a number I was a person and uh, so I I really enjoyed you know the the love and the and, and the value that they saw in me on campus that you know I had to definitely be a part of that university
0: how did you have to select mass communication
1: as a major well okay I was brought up with an immigrant parent my mom is African all right mm-hmm. so my mom is African so there's only four things you can be in the African household you can be a doctor lawyer engineer or disowned that okay. those are the only four things you could be in an African household so for me um I actually went in as a pharmacy major into okay. college my first year i remember i had this class called zoology and mm-hmm. what about this class was from what i heard supposed to be you know, the lesser of the evils of the sciences. So I was like, you know what, let me give this a shot. So I tried it out, you know, I got like a C on the first test, and then I got like a 60 on the second one, and I'm like, okay, this is a little, you know, I'm panicking. So, um, you know, it just, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I wasn't really succeeding in that, in that class. And I remember I was in a speech class and one of my professors after a speech I gave walked over to me and said, Nate, what is your major? Because he didn't see me at the communication meetings. Mm-hmm. I told him, I said, well, I'm going to be a pharmacist. And he was like, is that what you want to do? I was like, no, that's what my mama want me to do. And I have to be honest. So then, you know, he told me, he said, why don't you give this a shot? This is, this seems like a really good fit for you. And you can, and I was like, what do you even do with a mass communications major? Because. My mom didn't know anything about mass communications. You know, she's an immigrant from Ethiopia that came seeking education opportunity into America. So this is foreign land and Mm -hmm. she's learning. But, you know, what her frame of reference of what she knew, what, you know, uh, she couldn't provide to me. You know, so he offered the opportunities within mass communication, told me about public relations, journalism, broadcasting, media. And I quickly gravitated towards it. And I changed that to my first semester.
0: Any adjustments you had to make moving from Dallas to Austin? Not. Well,
1: you know what? I don't know. I mean, I came at 18, so I was, you know, I was young. You know, um, Dallas was, was all I knew. I, did, I never really traveled. I You know, I had some friends in Houston I'll go see and, you know, here and there. But I wasn't well-traveled back then, so I quickly adjusted. And uh, I I remember coming in and in in college and seeing the certain amount of diversity with people. And especially at college is a melting pot Mm -hmm. of diverse thinking, diverse cultures. Uh, You know, so I quickly just kind of made friends with many different people and got a chance to see different world beliefs and values and really just started growing, you know, as an individual. So I appreciate that with
0: Austin. Once you left college, you went to Los Angeles? uh or did you stay here for a while? well
1: actually i worked in houston for about a year and okay. then from there i went to los angeles and i worked in los angeles for about nine ten years and doing what everything from uh television uh I, I i produced directed created my own films out there i um worked in ministry i mm-hmm. uh, worked in youth ministry i worked in higher education and i worked in higher education as well so i uh, did a little bit of everything out there so what brought you
0: back to austin
1: Um, I wanted to come back to Austin to uh, focus more on my own production company and then also be a little closer to family. My mom lives in Dallas, so, you know, I wanted to, you know, at this time and age, you know, family is even more valuable than anything else. So for me, it was like, if I can move to a closer location that has a great creative hub like Austin, be in close proximity with my mom and my brothers and my family, you know, I think I can balance, you know, that world pretty well. So I came back to Austin because I wanted to kinda get more involved in production, marketing, and branding work with my own company. And then also um be there for my family a little more than I'm used to.
0: How did you go about setting up your production company? Oh, wow.
1: So, my first film was in 2011. Uh, it's called Sincerely Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and I shot the, you know, the film and then in the process of, you know, shooting you know, I, you really don't for me, I wasn't really educated on the business side of things and how that works. So while I was making this film and kind of, you know, creating, I decided, you know what, I need to create some sort of sustainability for this. So I need to create this into a company and figure out you know, how to make a kind of a business plan around uh, my creative endeavors. So I started, I think, I forgot what that website was. It was like LegalZoom.
0: Yeah, I went on LegalZoom mm-hmm. and I started my first <laughs>
1: business on LegalZoom. It was very efficient. You know, you pay like 250 350 or something like that and got my first business with LegalZoom, you know, just the power of the internet and research and Google. So I remember doing that and that was my first you know, kind of knowledge of how to like set up a business. And then from there it's been progressing. I went and got my masters in business uh just because I felt like I needed more education and mentors mm-hmm. and people within that field that can really um hone in. I can hone in with, I mean uh work with and hone in on the craft. So um yeah, so that's kinda how that started. If
0: hey, you're just joining us, I'm Johnny O'Hanson Jr. and you're listening to In Black America from K U T Radio and we're speaking with Nathan Oriah. A documentary filmmaker, his current project focuses on mental health. Tell us about Growing Up in America.
1: John, I'm really excited about this project because this project is called Growing Up in America, and it's it highlights cultures and conversations surrounding minority communities in America. So that's immigrants, first generation, black Americans. This is... Uh, this is something for our culture and our community, which I'm really excited about. Um, so the idea is to for this to be a travel-based documentary series where I am traveling to different cities across America and um, highlighting different cultures and conversations that are existing. So my first episode pertains to mental health. And the idea for this episode came about with me just kind of learning from my community and my family and things that are happening around me with, you know, the issue of mental health. So uh, I just noticed that there, there was such a void of information, a void of accessibility and resources that I wanted to do my part in filling that void with a group, uh, an amazing, uh, talented group of people. So I got a good group of friends together here in Austin and uh, shot some of the ep- majority of the episode in a barbershop with no budget here in Austin and kind of, you know, it's not even really scripted it was kind of unscripted but i had parameters of what we're looking for and how we wanted to engage the the topic and the conversation so we shot it and um and now what we're trying to do is we actually did our first uh tour event um but we're taking the grown up in america episode on tour to uh tackle mental health so uh, we share the film And then we partner with local therapists and counselors of color to hold panel discussions and town hall discussions on the topic of mental health. So we talk about the stigmas that exist. We talk about the proper way of approaching mental health. We talk about the resources that are available. Uh, so this past event, we collaborated with the mayor of Austin, mm-hmm. Steve Adler, and, you know, uh, an amazing group of therapists and counselors of color to, you know, share their their, um, their expertise on this topic. And it was so successful. We gave away one free hour of uh, therapy session from a licensed therapist and then also 30 free minute consultations. So our goal was to be able to bring down as many barriers as possible that exist between the black community, immigrant community, first generation community and the healthcare system and healthcare providers out in the communities so that people can actually have access to information and education so they they can understand what would be best for them on an individual as an individual.
0: I read that you thought of this topic after you went to the hospital for chest pains
1: all right so this year was a year full of ups and downs right so this year i um one one day i woke up with chest pains and i was like i've never felt like this before you know i'm not too old you know i'm still in the gym (laughs) i'm still you know trying to eat right and uh you know i I called the doctor i was like you know what i need to do a doctor's visit but and i explained to him that i had chest pains i said you need to go to the hospital so when he said I need to go to the hospital, you know, I was kind of like, all right, let me just go to the hospital get checked up. So I went to the hospital, got checked up. They said your heart is healthy, you are good, but you are dealing with common stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I forgot what the scientific term for this was, but he told me it's common stress or and that's or a pulled muscle. But I wasn't working out in a you know within a week or two within that time frame, so it was definitely common stress. So when he told me that it was common stress, you know, I just started realizing that, wow, I'm too young to be dealing with common stress. And I can't imagine the people in the community that I have around me that are dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, um, and many different uh, variations Mm -hmm. of mental health. So It was a good realization for me that we need to take, you know, better care of ourselves as people and identify, you know, how to best navigate, you know, different things that we're dealing with in our own lives. So for me, it was a wake-up call. It was an opportunity to really take that a little more seriously with my life. And it's been great ever since. But, yeah, that was definitely a a big wake-up call for me this year.
0: You were talking before this interview began about self-diagnosis. Yeah. And one one particular diagnosis doesn't mean that this problem is, is, is fixed. Tell us about how you as a documentary filmmaker and this project is helping people understand that you can't diagnose your own self.
1: Yeah, I think when, when we're dealing with mental health as a, as a documentarian, as a creative, I never wanted to come into the space as an expert. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come into this space with extreme vulnerability and sensitivity to this topic and as a learner. Mm-hmm. So as a learner, I'm taking audiences on this journey with me as I am approaching mental health from a place of learning from individuals that are navigating this field regularly. And so I thought that was very important for me to have that as a starting point, as a documentarian, as a creative. Now, when we deal with mental health and we're dealing with mental health care providers, one thing I've learned is that it's you have got to be very uh, careful and and miss and not misdiagnosing yourself, because even today's age right now, mental health is such a buzzword. Right. Everyone is talking about it. Social media. Everyone's doing something about it, which is great. But on the other hand, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's almost like that. I If you're focusing on something so much, sometimes you feel like you have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I want. I pe- got this. I got this. Yeah, because everyone's talking about anxiety, and I'm, I'm looking up anxiety so much. I think I have anxiety, but maybe that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't need to see a, a mental health. You don't need to see a, a counselor or a therapist. Maybe you just need to turn off your social media. Mm-hmm. You know, something as simple as that. Because you know, the 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 way we should approach this discussion of mental health is to be able to provide information and education of what exists. You know, and then the resources that are available, and then each individual through self-awareness, better understanding what is the proper way that they can navigate as an individual through life. So that's my hope as a documentarian, you know, to pretty much just create a platform of information and education for people and with great sensitivity, you know, to this, uh, to this topic and getting people to understand that, you know, therapy is not the one all be all, Mm -hmm. but it's an option.
0: When you all had the panel discussion after last Thursday's presentation, did it come up why African-Americans are so reluctant, by and large, to discuss mental health? Yes. One
1: counselor spoke about this and she said that due to history of black people in America, Mm -hmm. there is a big mistrust okay uh within the community with the mental health care systems mm-hmm. and providers okay. due to racial biases discrimination racism and uh, just a mistreatment of people of color mm-hmm. so right now what's happened is you have people that have carried this stigma you know with them till this day uh, because of you know rightful rightfully so you know we have to protect ourselves um, but sometimes, what we've, what we're trying to protect ourselves from can become our own detriment, you know, from seeking, from properly being educated on the proper ways that we need to take care of ourselves as people and find resources to help us in our lives. So uh, that was one of the big things. It's, yeah, the stigma exists and the stigma exists rightfully so in certain cases due to mistreatment, racial biases, and racism that Healthcare providers have conducted, you know, within America towards people of color. But now our opportunity as as black people here in America is to be able to look at the stigmas that exist and look at the, you know, and understand what we are actually going through right now, you know, being self-aware and figure out what's a proper way that we can better our lives with resources that are available that will not be detrimental to us.
0: Considering that barbershops around the country are African-American men' safe haven, safe place, yeah. were they apprehensive when you came in and you wanted to film them talking about mental health?
1: So my barber <laughs> was one of the biggest uh, catalysts for this okay. project, so okay. that helped. I built a great relationship with my barber, and we actually discussed him. His name is Trey, if you ever get a chance— uh, talk to Trey if you want to get a nice haircut, uh, cutting edge right here in Austin. Trey's going to love this. But, um, you know, I talked to him and he was, you know, all for uh, using this space. So um, from there, I actually got a, a good group of friends together okay. that got involved and showed up to the barbershop to have these candid conversations. So it wasn't like we were just coming into a space and recording people. Uh, everyone that was in the film was strategically hand-selected and asked to be able to be a part of it and share their thoughts on this topic. So I wanted to bring diverse creators and, and professionals um, you know, within these barber seats mm-hmm. to uh, help us navigate these conversations. And they came out and they did an incredible
0: job. How do you take this project to the next level?
1: Uh, through people like you john honestly people like you that are able to come around and provide more awareness on projects like this my job as a creator as a documentarian as a documentarian is simply to create something based out of my conviction and my experiences in life now i just put it into the world now what the world does with it is what I entrust people to really help and come around and support it with. So for me, I control what I can control and I can't control what I can't control. So based off of what I've done already is already a success and is already my personal fulfillment. Where it goes next, John, honestly, is only like a cherry on top. It's a blessing within itself. So, you know, people like media outlets and and uh journalists and you know um research-based institutions that want to be able to highlight You know, these stories that I'm really, you know, trying to push right now and provide representation, I think that's in in everyone else's hands. And I'm doing the best that I can and trying to step out and get this at, you know, into so many different platforms. But honestly, it's people like you that really do make a big difference for projects like these and taking it to the next level.
0: Austin obviously was the first stop. Are the other cities that's lined up to take growing up in America mental health?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're looking at LA and DC, and okay. I just got off a conversation with uh, a good friend of mine uh, that does incredible work. But um, I don't want to say too much information mm-hmm. just yet. But in January, we're looking at bringing the Growing Up in America uh, uh, State of Mind. The event is called. The event series is called State of Mind. We're looking at bringing the State of Mind event series uh, to LA and DC. So hopefully, I'll start in January. And then this is open to anyone else across the nation that wants to host an event. It's almost like a. a and a screening by demand, so mm-hmm. an event by demand. So if you're in Alabama or Minnesota or New Hampshire, wherever you're at, you know, this is an amazing opportunity to provide, you know, to provide us, you know, within the community a opportunity to really speak about these issues and um, use storytelling and use resources and locals, you know, therapists and counselors to come together into a safe space for us to really
0: better our community. So that's the idea. I read where you dubbed the voice of diaspora generation. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was something that, you know, for me, I don't know. I don't claim it. Um, But that's something that I think was wrote in the Huffington Post, I believe, or MSNBC, one of those uh, outlets. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, um, that's just due to my work within the diaspora. I believe that, you know, we have a great culture, the diaspora culture, where it's a melting pot. Type of culture where, you know, we have immigrant parents that have come from our native land, but we're growing up in a new country, you know, so it's, it's an amazing opportunity where we have a third culture and I've been making films such as Sincerely Ethiopia, the Diaspora Journal, and now growing up in America that are connected to the diaspora culture. So I think due to my life work and projects, they named it
0: that. What do you say to immigrant parents who don't know how to navigate or respond to their children's mental health struggles? What I would say for immigrant parents that are
1: hesitant or are not aware how to address their children that are dealing with mental health challenges, I would say one thing, conversation is everything. Mm-hmm. Creating an environment in the house that that nurtures curiosity, that nurtures questions, that nurtures you know, kids being able to have an open door policy to approach their parent. And as a parent, I do believe that a parent's job is not to have all of the answers. Right. A parent's job is to walk with their child through the questions. And one thing I tell a lot of people all the time, sometimes sometimes the way you can be a light into somebody's life is by sitting with them in the dark. That, that's so important because there's a certain level of empathy that we're lacking as, as a community, as people today, and really having personal in-depth connections. Mm-hmm. Social, media, social media is a detriment to that because you feel like because you have so many followers, you are known you know, deeply, right. but that's not the truth. We, we, we are connected more, but at the same time, we're not as in-depth connected. So I think people and human, human beings, we want to be known. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. And I think that happens when you're willing to sit with people in their own darkness and you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable with people that you trust. So that's the idea uh, for you know, immigrant parents and, ch- and children in the households, or just parents in general that are struggling with mental health issues within their child's lives. I think the proper way to do it is to not be afraid of it, confront it, and you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to walk with your child through the questions.
0: Who makes up the documentary team for growing up yeah, in Yeah.
1: So I have an amazing art director, producer named Moyo Oyolola, who is a Renaissance man, to say the least. He's so talented. Um, he's based here in Austin, Nigerian-American, uh, does incredible work. And then um, we had uh, an amazing cinematographer. His name is Ruben uh Bastillo I hope I'm pronouncing it right but he came and shot the project as well talented individual and uh and then everyone else were involved with you know the cast so there was Brandon Nespong app developer Nigerian American app developer he has something called Moto Buddies taking off Maylot songstress here in and uh in Austin she has her own day Maylot day mm-hmm. um it's coming up actually but she's an amazing singer she does incredible work here Evelyn from the Internets, digital storyteller Viral sensation, uh, viral sensation, amazing, uh, and human being, good friend of mine, Carlton Wilcoxon, He's a producer, uh, also a comedian. He was featured. Um, you know, we had Chris Hills, uh, another an amazing comedian. We had who else did we had? Camille, oh my gosh, Camille Khalil. Uh, she's a model. Uh, she does great work in the Austin community. And these are people of color. These are first generationers. These are you know um, African Americans. These are our community—they're doing incredible work that we got in—that we got involved in this film—and uh, they really are the catalyst for this film. They are opening discussions. They are the—they uh, are healing people with their words uh, through these film screenings and community discussions. So uh, yeah, they they are people that I look up to, and I'm
0: so proud of. Why do you call this a purpose project?
1: Purpose project—one uh, meaning that. This is not something that I had many people
0: jump to support me in, in high places. Nathan the documentary filmmaker and founder of All Creative Digital. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to your future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also let us know what radio station you heard us over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.